Well, good morning. It is great to see each of you here today, and some of you uh, are are back, and so that's nice to see each of y'all that are, that have been able to come back after being gone for a while. And this weekend was a uh, great weekend. It was a good weekend that we had our our men's planning session, and I think we got lots of uh, great things happening for the Chandler Street uh, Church of Christ, and it was wonderful to. Uh, for all the men that came and participated in that, and we will be uh, rolling out some some stuff and letting y'all know uh, some of our vision in the in the upcoming uh, weeks and months, and so it's going to be uh, pretty good. I also got to experience uh, a, a little sleepover at, at my house. Dane had some friends at the house, and. Uh, when you get a bunch of teenage boys together, uh, you get a couple of things. You get a lot of food is consumed, and you get a little bit of roughhouse, right? And so at this time, the the boys, they went out and they, they got in the, the hot tub and probably jumped in the pool to, I don't know why, because boys do weird things. And then they, they get out as, as they were coming back in the house. What do boys do when they have towels in their hands? But... They have this little towel whip that they, they decide to do. And if there is one thing I do not tolerate, it is whipping towels. And I have good reason to not tolerate that because my first year as a youth minister, my first summer as a youth minister, I took a group of kids up to Little Prairie Bible Camp in Missouri. And is Barbara here today? Barbara's, uh, Barbara's grandson, Zach, was in my cabin, a cabin of fi- uh, fifth graders. And I am a trained uh, counselor for, for these kids. I worked five years at Camp Deer Run. I know how to handle fifth grade boys, but I can't do anything if I'm in, in the bathhouse taking a shower. And these kids were in the, in the cabin doing what little kids do, and they brought out the towel. And I don't know if Zach was in the middle of a towel fight or if he, I think he was just sitting on his bunk, and a towel got popped and hit him right in the eye. And I get back from the bathhouse and his eye is just swollen shut. And so I say, can you open your eye? No, he can't open his eye. I got out my mag light. I shined it in the eye. And this is what scared me. I said, I said, can you see anything? He says, no, he couldn't see any light at all. And I was nervous. Chris was there. That's the that's the camp that Chris worked at or many, many, many uh, years when he was preacher up in Missouri. And me and Chris take Zach to the emergency room. And eventually he starts to see a little uh, bit of something, but he could only see green blobs. And that's not normal, I don't, I don't think. So I was so nervous. Um, my first summer, like I said, as a youth minister, and and I was just so worried that I wasn't there to stop whatever from happening because this kid was going to lose his eyesight. Well, they were, they got on the phone with the top uh, eye people in the state of Missouri and they told them what all they needed to do. And I think what they had him do for the rest of the week at camp is he had to sit at like a 45 degree angle or something like that and he wasn't allowed to move. And eventually, his eyesight came back, everything was okay, but I was incredibly worried because I would have felt like this is this is part of my fault. It was on my my uh my watch that that this happened. Blindness is scary, right? 
Anyone that experienced something like that, it, you will know that is something scary. Those that, uh, that, are, that deal with blindness or loss of sight, that is so scary because a dark world is scary to be in. It's hard to get around in a dark world. You stumble in the dark. It, it, you don't have any direction in the dark. And that's what we were talking about last week when Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And he wanted us to know that we are living in a dark world, but if we look to him, he is going to give us guidance in this world. And so Jesus said this at the Feast of Tabernacles. And if you remember the Feast of Tabernacles, there was all the light, the lighted candles, the giant candles looked like that. The whole temple was illuminated and Jesus wanted them to know that it wasn't the temple that they needed to look at anymore because God was dwelling within him. God was tabernacling within Jesus. And so to look for they needed to look for him, to him for guidance. And he told them he was sent from God and he was and God was his father. And the people thought that was blasphemy. The people didn't like that at all. The people were choosing to continue to live in, in a life of darkness. Matter of fact, Jesus told them that God was his father, but because they're choosing to live in darkness, in John chapter 8, verse 43, he says, Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And father of lies, the devil, Satan, is lying to these people, trying to get them to stay in darkness. But they didn't like what he said about them. They didn't like that he called Jesus, uh, they didn't like that he called their father the devil. And so what do they choose to do? They try to stone him to death. Just like he says, you, you sit there and you want to carry out your father's desires, you want to carry out murder. Well, that's what they're doing. They tried to stone Jesus to death, but it wasn't Jesus's time. And he slips off from the crowd and he leaves the temple. And as he leaves the temple, he walks along. And that's where we find ourselves today in John chapter nine. And Jesus loves to not just give a sermon, but he loves to also tell people what he means by a lot of object lessons that he does. And today is one of the best object lessons that Jesus is going to do because today's object lesson is going to show what it means to be light in the world. In John chapter 9, that's where we're going to be today. It starts off in verse 1. It says, as he went along, he saw a blind man. He saw a, he saw a man blind from birth. The disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God may display, be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who has sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. You see, Jesus is continuing on with the statement showing that he's the light of the world and he's about to show what it means to be the light of the world. As the disciples are walking past, as they're outside of the temple now, and they see this man that he's been born blind, they start talking. And the weird thing is they're talking right next to the man, and they seem like they're talking like he's blind and deaf, but they're having a conversation about him. But this man's probably used to people having a conversation about him and speaking about him. 
And a lot of times people are probably saying that he was blind because he was a sinner. And I imagine the disciples are thinking, if you've been tracking with us since uh, John chapter 5, you would have remembered that Jesus heals the lame man by the pool of Bethsaida, right? And at that, that Jesus' his words almost uh, inflect that this man was lame because of a sin that he made. But they're looking at this man right now in chapter 9, and this man in chapter 9 is blind. And he's blinded since birth. And they're trying to think, well, how could he have sinned if he was blinded at birth? That doesn't make sense to them. They said, was it his sin or was it his parents' sin that caused him to be blind? This is a frustrating thing to them. They know there was nothing that he could have done, at least could he have done something that was sinful in the womb? And so they're a little frustrated. They don't know what's going on. They ask Jesus, what is going on? What's happened? And so Jesus tells them something that's going to change how they're thinking. It's not about who was sinful. It's not about who was who was uh, who was who was sin to cause the blindness. But what are we going to do with the struggles that we're facing in our life? Right? What's going to happen? What do we do whenever we're we're faced with with struggles? When we're faced with 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 issues? Jesus says, no matter what's going on in your life, how are we going to display God's glory despite the challenges that we have? How are we going to show God's glory despite the issues that we're going through? Despite the struggles that we have, how are we going to show God's glory? And this blind man is hearing every bit of this. And I think he's also thinking, well, how can I display God's glory through the challenges that I'm having, through my blindness? The interesting thing is Jesus doesn't even ask him if he wants to be well, like the, uh, like the, the man in chapter 5, the lame man. All Jesus does is he spits on the ground and he starts making mud, right? Now, this is not a uh, story that probably my mother would like or my mother-in-law would like to, to have Jesus talk about spitting in the ground, making mud, but I th- found this was kind of funny. Um, one of the guys at the Tri-C, I was talking with him this week, and he said, what are you preaching on Sunday? And I said, um, Jesus heals a man born blind. And he says, hold on, what story was that? And the thing that he starts thinking of, he's like, oh, that's the one where Jesus spits and makes mud in the ground. I said, that's exactly right. So... Might sound gross, but it's memorable, right? <laughs> so this young college student, it's memorable to him. So that's, I guess that's a good thing. It says in chapter six, in chapter nine, verse six, it says, after this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told them, washed in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went, washed, and he came home seeing. How about that? Jesus goes, he puts a, makes a little mud out of the ground, puts the, it on the man's eyes, sends him off to the pool of Siloam. Matter of fact, if you've been listening with the last, the last few weeks in chapter 7, when Jesus says, all who are thirsty come to me to drink, where were they, I told you about the story where, where every year at the Feast of Tabernacles, they'd grab waters and the water was blessing from the pool of Siloam. They'd take it up to the altar and they'd pour it on there. Well, what's Jesus doing? He is sending him to the waters of blessings, right? 
the waters where they grab blessings from, from and pour it on the altar. Jesus is now sending this man where people are blessed to the place called sent. Jesus sent him and he comes home seeing. And I find that kind of weird. Would it be hard to get home if you've never gone home with sight? You ever thought about that? Would it be hard to find your way home if you've never seen anything? I, I think I'd be looking around, walking, because I assume he walked by steps all the time, but that's neither here nor there. It's just something I thought about as I was doing the study. But as he's home, people are looking and people are making, and people are talking about this man who was born blind, now has sight, something that people have never seen happen before. And so they start talking. In verse 8, it says his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed he was. He was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened? He asked, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go wash in Siloam. So I went and I washed and I could see. Where is this man, they asked. I don't know, he said. What does this man tell them that happened? He doesn't embellish his story. He tells them exactly what Jesus did. Jesus told him he got mud, put it on his eyes, went to wash, and now he can see. They asked who it was. It was Jesus. He knew who, he knew who Jesus was. Everyone's been talking about Jesus around, around Jerusalem at this time. But he told his story. And this man is going to be the perfect example of us to tell our story, to tell what God's done for us. We don't have to make up anything. We don't have to embellish it. We don't have to add to it. We just tell what we know. And we might not have all the answers. They ask, where is this man? He doesn't know. Jesus sent him away. He walked back. He's never seen Jesus with his eyes yet. So we tell what we know. And we tell the story of Jesus, what he's done to us in our lives. You see, Jesus has already made a few people upset. Jesus has, is starting to do works where the Pharisees are thinking that he is breaking their laws. And so they're hearing the story and they're hearing that a man has had his eyes opened up. And they don't know what to think about that. Because that's something that's never happened. So the Pharisees start to investigate this healing. In verse 13, it says, they, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been born blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees asked him how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man said, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how could a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. And when they turned to the blind man, they said, what have you to say about him? It was your eyes that he opened. The man said, he is a prophet. You see, they're sitting there and they're thinking that Jesus broke the Sabbath law. The Sabbath law was made for man to give man rest. And all God told us was to not work. But the Pharisees made all these laws about what it meant to work, which had nothing really to do with work. They looked at Jesus and Jesus made mud in the ground. And so they thought, well, he was kneading, he was kneading mud, which made clay and potters can't make clay during the Sabbath day because that's their work. So Jesus broke the Sabbath for that. Or they said, you have to walk, to, you, you can only walk a certain distance on the Sabbath so you can have rest. And Jesus had him walk all the way to the pool of Siloam 
So he broke that Sabbath law. This wasn't laws that God created, but it was laws that they created. And so they were saying Jesus broke the, the God's law, and so he couldn't come from God. They didn't start looking at what's been going on that a man that was born blind can now see, which is clearly something that have, that's a divine miracle. They didn't think that maybe my laws are not coming from God. They were say, saying Jesus did not come from God. They asked the man, what does he think? He says, he must be a prophet. If your eyes were opened by Jesus, you would think he must be a prophet. There's something divine. There's something great about him. In verse 18, it says, they still did not believe that he had been born blind and received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one that you say was born blind? How is it now that he can see? His parents said, we know he's our son and we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already acknowledged that anyone who acknowledges Jesus as the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That's why they said he is of age. Ask him. His own parents... They admit to him being born blind. They admit to it being his son. But that's as far as they're going to go. Why? Because they cared more about the things of this earth. They cared more about the acceptance of people on this earth. They knew that if they start going along with this story, if they start saying that Jesus opened his eyes, that Jesus looks like he is a prophet of God. Maybe he is the Messiah that he has been claiming to be this past week and, and, and each time that Jesus has been speaking, that they're going to be thrown out of their synagogue. They're going to be taught, cast aside from, from, their, from their friends, from their family, from their church. And so they do what a lot of us might do. So maybe they, we don't deny God. Maybe we don't deny Jesus as, as the Lord. But we also don't sit there and proclaim him. And we allow it, we allow it to just pass by and we don't show people uh, how we have come to know Christ. And we keep that story to ourselves. We don't tell people about what Christ has done for us, what Christ has done for our loved ones. We just keep that to ourselves because we care what the world thinks of us. And so... Instead of sitting there and siding with their son and siding, and siding with the man that has power to, to allow their son to see, they side with the people of this earth. And so the Pharisees, they're not liking what's happening because they're trying everything they can to change the truth. To change the truth in this world. And for a second time, in verse 24, it says they summoned the man who had been born blind. It says, give glory to God by telling the truth. You see, he was telling the truth, but they want to find their own truth. And we live in a world that likes to, even though we see the truth, we like to find our own truth. When I was in, in uh, ninth grade, I used to watch my Houston Oilers, Warren Moon, the, the, the run and shoot offense with all these incredible wide receivers, and, and I would want for my Oilers to be the best. But the national media, they, they didn't say anything good about the Oilers, and so I would always listen to my local, my local uh, people, Bum Phillips and Earl Campbell. They, 
That was a weird uh, little uh, uh, group, but but that's who that's who were the commentators, and I listened to them because they loved the Oilers like I love the Oilers, and so they listened. I I wanted their truth to be my truth, or my truth to be their truth, instead of the truth that that year they were going to have the biggest blowout in uh, or the biggest the loss in in uh, the NFL's ever, and it still stands today which is a sad thing because the Oilers can't come back. They're, they're gone now. But anyway, it's tough. We want to believe our own truth, and so we look for that. And that's what the Pharisees are doing. They don't want to believe God's truth. They don't want to believe God's truth, and so they're searching for other ways until they can find an answer. We struggle with that all the time. So they bring the man back. They say, give us glory, give glory to God by telling the truth. We know this man is a sinner. And the man replies, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. The one thing I do know is I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Once again, this man is sitting here. He's not telling any more of of what Jesus is saying. He is just telling what Jesus has done for his life. The answers that he doesn't have, he'll probably he'll sit and he'll think about it. I'm sure he'll go and find out more information. We'll see that he does that. But he tells what Jesus did for him. And he answers them in verse 27. I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? And I always thought this was kind of uh, like he was trying to insult them by this. But really... I think he remembers what Jesus said. And he remembers that in the beginning, Jesus tells his disciples that this is going to happen so that the works of God may be displayed in him. And I think he really is trying to get these people to see who Jesus is, that he is someone special from God. And now he is going to outwit the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, those that have studied who the Messiah was going to be for so long and so he tells them I have already told you and you do not listen but do you want to hear it again do you want to be his disciples too then they hurled insults at him they said you are the this fellow's disciple you were we are disciples of Moses we know that God spoke to Moses but for this fellow we don't even know where he comes from they don't even know where this man comes from and yet they know the law and they know the books of the prophets And if they studied the books of the prophets, they would have studied things like Isaiah chapter 29, verse 18, where it says, In that day the deaf will hear the words of the scroll, and out of gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind will see. They will have have studied the prophet of Isaiah in in chapter 35, verse 4, where it says, Be strong and do not fear the Lord. Your God will come, and He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution, and He will come to save you. Then He will... Then, then will the eyes of the blind be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue will, be, will shout for joy. They should be looking for this Messiah that's going to come. They should be looking for a Messiah that is going to open the eyes of the blind. The, going to make the lame man walk. Jesus has been doing this and what have they been saying? They're trying to find their own truth. They're trying to find a different way instead of realizing maybe, just maybe, we've been wrong. 
the man answers, this is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of someone opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Doesn't mean that they just threw him out of their presence. They threw him out of the, the synagogue. He was banished. He was ostracized. He no longer had a place among his friends and family, among his church. But I don't think that bothered the man because he now had a relationship with someone that restored his sight, that gave him sight. Someone that opened his eyes. Someone that changed his life. Someone that was clearly sent from God. And so, Jesus, in dark times, comes and finds us. And that's what Jesus did. He went and He searched out this man and He found him. And as He finds the man in verse 35, it says, Jesus heard that they had thrown Him out. And when He found him, He said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is it, sir? The man asked. Tell me that I may believe in Him. Jesus said, You, have, you now have seen Him. In fact, it's the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And so we have this story. This incredible story of, of Jesus coming and doing something miraculous. Something that has never happened before. And Jesus opens this man's eyes. A man that was born without sight. And now this man sees him. And what does he do? He goes and he tells his story. He tells the good news of Jesus Christ. He tells what Jesus did to his life. That he changed him. That he opened his eyes up. And so, we can be like this man. We can listen to Jesus. We can obey His commands. We can go and we can wash just like He washed Himself in the pool of Siloam. Washed, to, washed to the blindness away. We can be washed in the pools of baptism. We can be baptized into Jesus Christ. Our sins can be washed away and we can receive new sight. Or we can be like the Pharisees. We can continue to, to, to know the truth that God tells us but continue to live in lies. To continue to, to see the things that Jesus tells us in His, in His Word. Of the sins we need to get rid of. The sins we need to cast from our life. We can choose to believe in His truth or we can choose to believe in our own truth and decide to continue to go and, and look for how maybe we're right and Jesus was wrong. That's what the Pharisees did. But they lived in blindness. They lived in darkness. Jesus doesn't want that in our life. He wants us to have sight. He wants us to be blind, or to once have been blind, but now we see. And we see Him as the light of our life. And in that, we can receive His guidance. We can live in a world where we don't stumble. A world where we can continue to rely on Him. He can give us life. If you want to be washed in Jesus' baptism and remove your sins so that you can, once, you can see, you can do that today. Or maybe you just want to stop walking in the darkness. You've made that decision once in your life, but you want to go and you want to turn to Jesus and let Him guide you in your life. You can do that as well. Whatever your need, please come while we stand and sing. Amazing grace.